everyone. Morning. Bill, 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 Bill. Thanks, man. Thank you, Bill. <laughs> he did that just to embarrass me. Thanks, cowboy. Appreciate it. <laughs> well, it's good to see everybody this morning. Is everybody okay this morning? Are you comfortable? I see some people fanning themselves. Okay. All right. As long as you're all right. Just making sure. Just making sure. Um, this week's kind of been interesting for me, actually. I, uh, not this Friday, but the Friday week, I actually had a health episode, and I ended up in the ER in Wilmington Hospital. And I'm, I'm okay now, but um, while I was there, one of the nurses taking my vital signs was, you know, working on me, and Nicole was sitting over here, my wife was sitting over here in a chair, and <clears throat> the lady turns to Nicole and she says, your husband reminds me of that country singer. Who is that? Uh, you know, um, he's on that show, that singing show. And Nicole's like, the voice? Oh, you mean Blake Shelton? And the lady's like, yeah, 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 that's him. That's him. He was married to Miranda Lambert. Yeah, that's right. That, he, your husband looks like him. And I turned to Nicole after the nurse left, and I kind of said, how's it feel to be married to Blake Shelton? And she said, well, we'd finally have some real money. I was like, ouch, babe, ouch. She was like, I mean country star money. Anyways, well, so I want you guys to do me a favor this morning. I want you to pretend that Blake Shelton's preaching. Will you do that? Is that all right? You guys can be my northern friends. I'll be your country preacher. If you'll be my sugar daddy, I'll be sweet iced tea, you know, something like that. I don't know if that sounds right. Some of you that don't listen to Blake Shelton are going, okay, what is this guy talking about? Speaking of country singers, Blake Shelton's not the only guy that's churning out chart-topping hits. You might remember a little-known fella named Garth Brooks. Remember him? From a little struggling artist from Tulsa, Oklahoma. And uh, he, I want to read part of the lyrics of a song that he co-wrote and performed in 1990. I'm going to take you back to the 90s. Can you say old school? No. <laughs> old school. All right. All right. Here we go. Just the other night at a hometown football game, my wife and I ran into my old high school flame. Whoops. And then he goes on and he tells this cool story. He's a great storyteller in his songs. And as I introduced them, the past came back to me, and I couldn't help but think of the way things used to be. He says, she was the one that I'd wanted for all times, and each night I'd spend praying that God would make her mine. And if he'd only grant me this wish I wished back then, I'd never ask for anything again. And then the third verse goes, she wasn't quite the angel that I remembered in my dreams, and I could tell that time had changed me in her eyes too, it seemed. We tried to talk about the old days. There wasn't much we could recall. And I love this line. He says, I guess the Lord knows what he's doing after all. And as she walked away, well, I looked at my wife. And then and there, I thanked the good Lord for the gifts in my life. Sometimes I thank God for unanswered prayer. He can, this is Garth Brooks singing. Remember when you're talking 
to the man upstairs. And just because he may not answer doesn't mean he don't care. Some of God's greatest gifts. Yeah, unanswered prayer. That's what I want to talk to you about just for a couple of minutes is the mystery of unanswered prayers. Uh, Nicole and I met at a nonprofit organization back in our 20s. We met, fell in love. She chased me. We got married. No, it wasn't like that, was it, babe? I chased you. I chased you. Of course. She chased me. And, And so, anyways, somehow we end up married. She said yes to me. And um, this president of this organization is a cancer survivor. His name is Vernon Brewer. The name of the organization is World Help. And he had cancer in his throat. He underwent a total of 18 surgeries. And at one point, the doctors actually told him, go home, get your affairs in order, you're not going to live. Well, at the time, he was serving as vice president at Liberty University, and the campus pastors called for an entire campus to pray for Vernon Brewer. They held like an all-night prayer vigil, and they were storming heaven, asking God to heal their vice president. Guess what? God did heal him. The doctors had to inject Teflon actually into his throat for him to be able to speak. But today, he's a walking, talking miracle of God. Aren't you glad sometimes God answers prayer? Now contrast that with another experience very personal to me. When I was in college, I traveled with a music team. We would go to different churches. and We would encourage them about going out into the world and telling people about Jesus, world missions. We were in Florida, and there was a man who was a part of this congregation who had just recently been diagnosed with cancer. His name was John Kelly. During this service that my group was a part of, This woman stands up in this service, and she begins to request prayer for John Kelly. She says, let's pray that John Kelly will be healed, that he'll be all right. I mean, this lady claimed God's victory for this man with such fervency and apparent faith that I was moved, honestly. I I thought, if you'd asked me after that service, is God going to heal John Kelly, I would have said, how can he not? Didn't you hear this lady pray? This lady was seriously doing business with God. Well, John Kelly died not long after that. Which brings me to a question. Why did God extend Vernon's life but expire John Kelly's life? And really, you know, does God have favorites? Does he, did he like Vernon better than he liked John Kelly? Um, which really moves us to a deeper question. Which is, what's the deal with unanswered prayer. I mean, isn't prayer the lifeline of our Christian life? Doesn't God say, pray, 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 and don't pastors continually preach about prayer, and don't all churches say, hey, you need to pray, and and yet there's this frustration at the center, the core of our Christian faith, which is what's going on when God isn't answering our prayers. Now, Jeremiah 33.3 says this, call to me, This is the Lord speaking. And I will answer you and show you great and mighty things which you do not know. It says if we call to God in prayer, he will answer us. But what about when it seems God's not answering our prayers? What's going on then? 
Well, I believe that when this happens, God is actually trying to show us something. He's trying to reveal something. Specifically, God wants to show us four things. I'm going to share with you very quickly. I want to share with you four answers that God gives to our prayer requests. Okay, so if you're here today and you have a pen, I would write it down personally. Um, This sermon and outline is not original with me. It's too good to miss. And when I saw it, took it into my heart, I said, you've got to hear it. You've got to have this information. You've got to, it's going to help you get closer to God. So if you have a pen, I would write it down. You don't want to miss what God's going to tell you this morning. If you've been praying and it seems like nothing has been happening, first point is this. If the request is wrong, God will say no. If the request is wrong, God will say no. Now, let me just stop here. Time out, guys. Uh, This is very personal to me. This is not an academic thing for me. Um, I'm right now in the middle of probably five or six intense prayer requests, two of which God's already said no to my face on. One or two of which God seems to be saying not yet. And, you know, I'm right here in this struggle just like you are. Like, well, Lord, you know, <laughs> I'm not just a Christian, Kevin, right? I'm a pastor. Don't I have a bat phone? No, I don't. My prayers get said no to just like yours. So we're all in this boat together. Nobody's better than anybody else. This is what God says. If the request is wrong, God will say no. Now, there are such things, you are aware of this, as an inappropriate request to God, right? Would you, would you agree with that? There, there are such things as wrong requests. Uh, one time, two of Jesus' disciples, James and John, asked if they could make reservations for the two best seats in the house. They went up to Jesus. They said, Jesus, I want a seat on your right, and then my brother, he wants a seat on your left. Could you make that happen for us? And Jesus, what does he say to them? He says, no, I'm not going to grant that request, fellas. That, that's not for, mine, for me to give. He said, it's for them for whom it is prepared. That was Jesus' way of saying, that's the Father's business, and I'm not going to grant that for you. Another time, Jesus and the disciples were actually denied a travel permit to go through a certain part of Samaria. And that denial agitated and aggravated the disciples so much, it angered them so much that they said to Jesus, Jesus, why don't we just call down fire from heaven and burn all these people? It's in the Bible. You should read that. It's kind of funny. It's like, wow, somebody was Irish or Jewish or whatever they were. You know what I mean? Somebody had a hot temper and they said, Jesus, man, let's just hail storm, you know, just do a storm on them and kill them. And Jesus is like, guys, guys, whoa. I did not come to destroy people's lives. I came to heal people's lives, to save lives. Sometimes we have a wrong request. Do you see the point I'm making? The disciples were fully capable of making an inappropriate request to Jesus. And when the requests were wrong, Jesus said no. James 1.3 talks about when God says no. Watch this. James 1.3, you ask and do not receive. In other words, you ask and God says no. Why? Because you ask amiss. That you may spend it on your pleasures. Are you capable of making a wrong request to God? 
Yes. Am I? Yes. Will I in the future? Probably. Are you capable of making requests that are totally self-serving? <laughs> yeah. How about asking God for things that are just too short-sighted? Yeah. We all are. And our God loves us too much to say yes to a wrong request. If the request is wrong, God will answer the prayer. He will answer the prayer. But he might say no. Do you know why God sometimes says no? Have you figured that out? He says, is it because he's a tyrant who delights in denying your pleasures? No. It's because he's good. Now watch this verse. It's important. Jesus made this point in the Gospel of Luke when he said, if a son asks for bread from any father among you, will he give him a stone? Rhetorical question. Of course not. Or if he asks for a fish, will he give him a serpent instead of a fish? Or if he asks for an egg, will he offer him a scorpion? If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? Here's the point. If you and I are sinner, you and I who are sinners from birth, that's what Jesus means. He said, if you being evil, it just means we were born into sin. Mama sinner came together with Papa sinner and out came baby sinner and that's life. No matter, it's a good thing babies are cute, right? Because they're still sinners. They're little babies and nobody has to teach them how to be selfish. They just learn it. Nobody has to teach them. Nobody taught me, I just learned it. Ask my wife, she'll tell you. If we who are sinners by birth are capable of bestowing acts of kindness on our children, imagine God, who's perfect, who never entertains an evil thought ever. God who never ever thinks of doing wrong to you. Wow. You know what I've discovered? And this is something in my life I've learned and I am learning that sometimes the reason God said no to me is because when I thought I was asking for bread, I was really asking for a stone. And if God had said yes to my request, that stone would have crushed me. I don't think you heard what I just said. <laughs> I don't think anybody's awake this morning. Are you guys awake? Because I hear nothing out. Listen, sometimes you and I ask for the wrong thing. We ask for bread, we think, but what we really mean is, give me that stone. And God says, man, if I give you that stone, that's going to destroy you. I've got to say no. Any responsible parent would say no, unless they don't care or unless they don't love. Now, tell me if I'm boring you, okay, because I don't, I, did, I don't want you to think that I think you're falling asleep, but... If I'm boring you, you let me know. So if you've been praying diligently about a matter, I mean really praying about it, and you're not getting any answers or results, or you feel like God is silent, um, it may be that the request is wrong. It, you may be asking for the wrong thing. It may be short-sighted, or it might be self-serving, or maybe the request is like a cop-out on our part. Instead of deal with the problem, we're asking God to deal with the problem. God's saying, I taught you how to deal with the problem in Scripture. You just want to obey Scripture. 
Maybe the request is destructive to you in ways that you don't fully comprehend. And God, who knows everything, is saying, I see it all. And no, this is not going to be good for you. So I'm going to say no on this one. If the request is wrong, God will say no. Secondly, if the timing is wrong, God will say slow. If the timing is wrong. Now, parents, you can relate to this one, okay? Isn't it true that next to the word no, the words that children hate to hear the most are not yet. You know, like you're on that vacation trip, you're you're about an hour into a seven-hour trip, and they go, what do they say? Are we there yet? I used to think it was fun to mess with them. I'd be like, yeah, all we got to do is that next stoplight. Let's turn left, and we're there. And then they'd be like, yay, and I'm like, just kidding. No, I didn't do that to them. That's mean, isn't it? That's wrong. That's wrong. Why are you laughing so hard? Some of you are like, I love it. You guys are awesome. Or maybe you've gone through this, okay? It's Christmas morning, and it's the ungodly hour of 4 or 5 a.m. Your kids spring into your room. Can I open my presents yet? And you say, not yet. Not yet. Go back to bed. Not yet, it's too early. Oh, every child hates to hear those words. And let's be honest, isn't there a child in all of us? There's a little kid in all of us that hates to hear not yet. Because, you know, I want it now, God. When? Now. Maybe yesterday, actually. Not three years, not three weeks, not three months. I want it now. Now, and and, you know, in our society, we're used to getting things quick. We're used to getting things delivered to us fast. Here's what Isaiah 55, 8 says. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are your ways my ways. And says the Lord, let me just say this. Nor are your technologies my technologies. Like, I'm not on your phone's timetable. So just as fast as you get your email to your phone, that's not how I'm going to work, God says. Just as quickly as that person delivers the fast food to you at the window, that's not how I'm going to work. I'm not an ATM. God says, my ways are not your ways. You've got to slow down. Usually I go to to the Lord and I say, God... I'm listening. I'm ready. I'm open. Speak to me, God. Got 30 seconds. (laughs) And God just says, come on. Spend time with me. Slow down. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. How crucial It is for you and I to trust God and to realize that God's delays are necessarily, not necessarily God's denials. There's a difference between a delay and a denial. There's a difference. There's a difference. Sometimes God takes us on a detour on the way to our destination. Just because he's saying not yet, that isn't the same as no. It's just slower. Which... Jesus said, in your patience, possess ye your souls. That is, as you are walking with me, don't lose your soul in this world. You and I, we have this temptation as we go out into the world. The world has a way of causing us to lose who we are. 
We go out into the world and we lose ourselves. We can't find, we don't even remember the kid we were, the happy, joyful person we used to be because so many problems pile down on us. And Jesus said, don't let that happen. In your patience, you possess your souls. You have control in your life under the authority of God. Thirdly, if you are wrong, God will say grow. Now that's a sobering statement, isn't it? If you are wrong, what does that mean? Well, isn't it a lot easier to point the finger of blame at God for unanswered prayer than it is to look in the mirror and say, maybe I'm the problem? Believe me, it's the rare individual that asks the question, is it me, Lord? Most of us just sort of look for someone else to blame. It's, always, it's almost always, will you explain to me why God's not moving my mountains? It's just human nature. I'm not trying to lay a, a trip on you or anything this morning. It's just the way we are. I'm the same way. I, I, I can surprise myself how quickly I, I move from there's a problem to whose fault is it? <laughs> and I go, does it really matter? Let's just solve the problem, right? It's just easier to point the finger of accusation at God than it is to look in the mirror. Now, Psalm 66, 18 says, if I regard sin in my heart, in other words, if I'm leading, knowingly leading a life of disobedience to God, the Lord will not hear my prayers. Pretty well says it, doesn't it? Listen to the, Jesus' words in Matthew. Therefore, if you bring your gift to the altar and there, remember that your brother has something against you, Leave your gift there before the altar and go your way. First, be reconciled to your brother and then come and offer your gift. Wow. Jesus is saying, if there's unresolved conflict in our relationships, if there are private wars going on between people, if there are broken friendships, Jesus said it cuts us off from fellowship with God, close fellowship with God. And all, if, if all of those passages aren't sobering enough, watch this one. 1 Peter 3, husbands, live with your wives in an understanding way. Grant them honor so that your prayers won't be hindered. Hello. That may explain a lot right there. Of course, the vice versa is true. Wives, live with your husbands in an understanding way. Honor them so that your prayers won't be hindered. God says, why should I honor your request when you don't honor mine? That's fair, right? If the truth were known, the only obstacle standing in the way of some of our prayers being answered is us. It's you. It's me. If, if, if I'm wrong, God says, Brad, you need to grow. Before I answer that with a yes... I need you to start growing. Uh, let me give you a real practical example. Single people sometimes come to us and they'll say, man, I'm ready to find that person the Lord has for me. And what I try to encourage them is don't spend your whole life just waiting for that person. You need to be the right kind of person before you meet the right person. Start working on you. Two sick people can't have a healthy relationship, and you need to be healthy so that you can have a healthy relationship. Romantic marriage I'm talking about. 
That's just one example of how you apply this. I think God, you know, the requests are not always wrong. Many things that you ask God for, he wants you to have. His heart is inclined to to give us the kingdom, Jesus says. And and the timing is not always wrong. I mean, God's, I think sometimes God's rather easygoing on timing issues. A lot of times it's us. I'm praying with bad motives. Or I'm asking God to do something that has nothing to do with helping other people. It just has everything to do with helping me. God says, Brad, you're going to have to grow up. And to grow up, sometimes you have to slow up. Oh, that's hard. It takes patience. It's very difficult. That's one of the frustrations of unanswered prayer is that God takes his time. God says, come on, grow. Put that sin away. It's the only thing standing in the way. Change your attitude on this or that. Stop that practice. Get off that merry-go-round in that harmful pattern. Just stop it. God says, just stop it, and, and I'll answer your prayer. Soften up your spirit. Some of you maybe need to go home today and call somebody that you have a broken relationship with and either forgive them or ask for forgiveness. Fourthly, when the timing is right, God will say, let's go. Now, this is one of the greatest joys of the Christian life, when when the timing is right. When the request is right, when the timing's right, when you are right with God and everything's going well, God will say, let's go. Now, I doubt many of us know how badly God wants to answer your prayers, more than you want them answered. God's ready. You don't weary God by coming to him. God doesn't get tired of you like other people, right? You're not going to wear him out or overwhelm God with your problems. He's God. Come to him. Jesus said, come to me, all ye that are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Why? Because he is the all-knowing, all-powerful God. Have you not heard? Have you not known? The everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, he does not grow weary. And he will help renew your strength like eagles, the Bible says. God wants to move that mountain for you. One time God said, I just want to give you this example. One time God said, let's go to me and Nicole. It was an experience I will never forget. One Sunday at the church I previously pastored, we took our regular tithes and offerings. After the tithes and offerings were counted, the deacons realized we were short for our electric bill. So they went and they said, came to me and they said, Pastor, we've got to take another offering. And I had been there probably like a couple of months at the time. And I'll be honest, I was embarrassed. See, I came from an organization that was a fundraising organization. I was used to working with thousands of dollars, millions of dollars of budget uh, for major, major missions projects. And when I went into our, our little church and I remember them coming to me and saying, we're short about a thousand or so on the electric bill, we're going to have to take another. Me and say, like, oh God, are you serious? This is going to tank our Sunday morning service. <laughs> I was embarrassed, discouraged, but we did it. You know, it's interesting because 
pastor was talking about tithing. If every single one of us tithed like we should, we wouldn't have ever a problem as a church. You, re- you realize that, right? It's like statistically 2 or 3% of Christians actually give 10%. 2 to 3%? Are you kidding me? Wow. Wow. That's to me too. That's to me too. It's a challenge. Just like some of you this morning, I had to choke back my pride and say, okay, do what you gentlemen need to do. And so we took the offering. And I remember as we were driving out of the parking lot, Nicole just flippantly, just kind of jokingly said to me, man, I wish we had like $1,000 to give to the church. You know, we could pay this electric bill. I mean, you know, we were already worried leaving the parking lot about whether or not the church is going to meet the bills. And I was the new pastor, which means can they even pay me, you know. And I'm just being real with you, okay. So please don't be upset with me. I'm just being real with you. You know, I had a a little family to take care of. And I was younger, and I was like, Lord, how's this going to work? It's a test of my faith. I just started serving you. I I don't need this kind of anxiety. And as we got home, I'll never forget, we walked in, got the mail, and Nicole happened to see a FedEx package that was really stood out, and it was on our kitchen table. She picked it up, she opened it up, and on the outside of it, I wrote it down, the outside of the envelope were the words, just smile. That's what it said, just smile. She tore open the envelope, and here's what she found. Ten $100 bills, cash, $1,000, $1,000. I looked at Nicole and I went, you remember that, honey? <laughs> the first thing Nicole thought of when she saw the money was that she had just earlier that day said the words, I just wish I had $1,000 so that we could give it to the church. So we both got down on our knees and we thanked God for that gift. And we said, God, what do you want us to do with this money? And both of us felt without a doubt that God wanted us to give it to the church. And I'm not saying that to um, look good because Nicole and I felt like it was a test. That's, that's what we felt like. God, it wasn't like we did this great thing. It was God was like, what are you going to do with money? Are you going to be faithful with it, Brad, or are you going like, to be greedy? Because a pastor, by qualification, is someone who should not be greedy. There's someone that should not be constantly after money and those kind of things. So I felt like it was a test. And Nicole had just uttered the prayer, Lord, wouldn't it be great if we had $1,000? Boom, we go home and there's $1,000? Wow, that's pretty quick. I like those results, right? And we had said, and God had said, let's go. Here's $1,000. I'll, I'll tell you what this did for me in my faith, other than the fact that now I enjoy picking up my mail and looking in the mailbox and seeing what has come today, what has been delivered, it, it really boosted my faith in my God who answers prayer. Yes, sometimes he says no to me, and I've had that recently, and it doesn't feel good. But I do trust him, and I trust that he knows better than I do, and I trust that he knows that He's got something better. And yes, there are times when 
you know, the timing's wrong and there's times when God's trying to do something in me by, you know, a deeper work of grace in me. And he says, I don't want to give you this too early because you couldn't handle it. By the way, that's what happens with a lot of people today. Their gift is greater than their character. And they beg God for a big church or they beg God for millions of dollars or they beg God for this and that and they get it and then they can't handle it and they fall. Why? Because their gift, they may have been charismatic, they may have been skilled, they may have been gifted, but their character couldn't handle it. That's why a lot of these athletes who are making millions of dollars mess up their lives. They've got a wonderful gift, talent, but then nobody taught them how to handle money. And so a lot of them mess up their lives. And God says, sometimes I can't give you this so early because you need to grow. Does that make sense? Sometimes you got to grow. But there are those times when God says, let's go. Yes. Yes and amen, Paul said, are the promises of God in Jesus. Yes and amen. Let's do it. Jesus told a parable. I want to close with this this morning. To the disciples one day, and he said, there was this judge in a city, and he wasn't a good guy. How many of you know that there are unjust judges? <laughs> okay, yeah. How many of you have stood before them? Your honor. Yeah. <clears throat> there, there are unjust judges. Jesus said there was this unjust judge, and he did not fear God, and he didn't particularly like people. So, like, he couldn't really be bought. He wasn't swayed. And God said, there was this little widow in the city, and she came to this judge, and she said, I want you to get justice for me. And the judge blew her off and said, get out of here. Who was she? But then she came back again. Probably threw her out, threw her out again. Came back. She kept coming back. And Jesus said, the unjust judge says within himself, okay, I'm going to grant this lady some justice because she is wearing me out. By coming to me, she will not leave me alone. And man, I'm telling you what, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be the death of me, this little widow. And I'm just going to go ahead and grant her her request. And Jesus says this. Jesus says this, guys. Listen, come in close for a minute. I want to I make sure you, we, we hear each other. Jesus says, hear what the unjust judge said. He said, I will grant this because she won't. Stop coming. And the point Jesus was making was that men and women ought always to pray and not to lose heart. Some of you have lost heart. You get, truthfully, truthfully, you gave up on prayer a long time ago. You hear people talk about the power of prayer, and you, you, know, you hear people talk about those things, but you don't really practice it in your life because you don't believe in it anymore. Jesus says, don't be like that. Jesus says, don't be faithless. Jesus says, be faithful, have faith. Trust the Lord. Job said, though you slay me, yet will I serve you. I wanted to comfort you this morning because I want you to, your hearts to be lifted up. I want you to be encouraged to go back to God again, not just as another resource. You have a lot of resources. We're Americans. We have a lot of resources at our disposal, you know. Most of you have cars. 
bank accounts, jobs, incomes. You have neighbors, you have friends, you have people you know. You've got a lot of resources. But you need the source. He's the only one that can do something about some of the situations that you and I have gotten ourselves into. Will you go back to him? Will you pray? Will you try it? Just give him a chance. See, Brad, I've already given him a lot of chances. Well, maybe you didn't understand what was happening. Maybe God wants to show you something in a deeper way. Last verse I'll share with you. Deuteronomy 29, 29 says, The secret things belong to the Lord our God, but those things which are revealed belong to us and to our children forever, that we may do all the words of this law. Some things about life I know I'll never understand, and that's just an honest, factual statement. Like why God does some things and not other things. Those secret things, they they belong to God. But those things which are revealed belong to you and me and to our children and grandchildren and great-grandchildren, to our family trees. They belong to us. This is what God says. And here's what I know. If your request is wrong, God will say no. The good news is you can stop asking for that. (laughs) Right? You can change what you're asking for and ask for something different. If the timing is wrong and God's been saying slow, the good news is you have the ability to develop patience and wait on God's timing in your life. If you're wrong and God has to say grow, the good news is you and I both have the choice to cultivate our inner life and work on ourselves and work on our character. And if the timing is right and God is saying, let's go, then you're experiencing one of the greatest joys in the Christian life. Answered prayer. Would you pray with me for a moment? As I've been speaking this morning, that issue that is most bothering you, that that situation that is most painful to you right now in this moment has been coming to your mind. I guarantee it. Satan has been trying to keep you from listening. He's been trying to keep you thinking about all these other things, but God has been bringing that issue back to your heart and mind over and over and over again as I've been talking. And this morning, God wants you not to lose heart, but to pray. So I want to open up this altar this morning. If God leads you and you want to come down and ask him one more time, for that prayer request, then I want you to come and ask him. But when you come, please come trusting. Come with the full knowledge that God will answer as God wants to. God will be God. 